так, прежде чем мы с вами, с вами вновь начнем погружаться Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Considering that Christ is the head of the church, everything that, that needs to be fulfilled in the books of the prophets, the laws, the Psalms, about Christ is also applicable to us as well and is to be fulfilled for us as well. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ which share together with Christ all the things that are written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. Ephesians 4:22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, I say, I remind us that this place of Scripture is a calling for every individual person who has believed in God. If a person that has come to God will not put off the former way of life that grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, he will not be saved, he'll lose his salvation, although he will be saved in the beginning or receive it, he can receive by this knowledge and understanding by being taught in the faith. You need a person who has the responsibility delegation from God to reveal the truth. Be renewed by the spirit of your mind only after the process when we cast off of ourselves the old man, only after that the process of renewing of our mind by the spirit of, the, of our mind will begin, and only after that we can then put on the new man, who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts, and these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. We have noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts, to put off, be renewed, and put on, that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, which is not taught in most churches. People are convinced that they have salvation. They're not taught that they have a conditional salvation. They have the guarantee 
but a guarantee is not the fact that you have it yet. It's just a promise, a guarantee to you, and you need to convert it so that you could profit from it. We are called to receive our salvation in the form of fruit or profit. Everything that God gives to us, he gives us in the format of a seed, and a seed is guarantee. It's not fruit. God does not give us the fruit of salvation. We need to uh, grow this fruit of salvation from the seed that he gives to us, the seed of justification. We need to convert it. We need to turn it to profit. We need to die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ so we can receive then this salvation as our own possession. When people are not taught these things, it is unfortunate. It will be unfortunate to for them that they dying are convinced they're saved and when they go to the other side, they realize they are not. If we lose our salvation, not having turned it as a guarantee to profit us, then our names will be forever blotted out of the Book of Life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person, who is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God, El Elyon, which means God Most High, to destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds. This reigning sin lives in every body so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the condition based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God. God Most High, and this condition consists that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off of ourselves this old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. We've noted that this event is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David with the name of God Most High and the confrontation with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and reigning sin in the form of our old person, with his deeds. We have discovered, according to Scripture, that in our body there are three kings that exist. Two anointed kings, this is our mind. God anoints him because in order to, for something to fall into our spirit, it needs to pass through our mind. And to confess so that it come, this be stated by our mouth, it needs to again be filtered, it needs to come through our mind. They need to collaborate one with the other. And so while our soul and the intelligent aspects of our soul will not voluntarily subject themselves and place themselves in obedience to our spirit, be submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will resist what is of the spirit. And so this is very important. 
And so it is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts, stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ and what God has done in Christ Jesus and who we are to Him, God receives the required basis or proper grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the reigning in our bodies sin who is the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise. As soon as this happens, our body will become immortal. You'll say, well, how long will that be? You'll say, no, when we receive this by faith, this precious promises, promise, God accounts this to us. God says that if you've received this promise, then you will consider yourself dead to sin, living for God, and you will proclaim that not existent as existent. We note that in character, the Psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer prayer. The condition of his heart was grounds for the legit status of his prayer and our prayer as well. If we have the state within ourselves of a warrior in prayer, then our prayer will be legit. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies. The third part describes the prayer battle itself, which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind, as it is written in an epic genre. When the earth is shaking, the heavens are active, and God is coming to the one who is calling him so he could pull him from the depths of hell. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and be saved from his enemies. There, in general, are 50 names of God in the Bible, not eight. But God, or David in this situation presents these eight names because eight is a symbol of a covenant. He brings forth these names that take part in the covenant. All of the names of God are one in the other and are present in one the other. It's a very surprising balance and union uh, of, of names. They that are present in one the other, they come, they flow one from the other, they empower one the other. And they identify the truthful nature of one the other. If there's one name but other names don't exist, then it's not faithfully being interpreted. And so for God discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David, because everything God will give to us, he will give to us by the confessions of faith. Faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing. This is not emotions. These are not feelings. This is information. Our faith is the unquestionable fulfillment of God's will, God's faith. And so our faith is called to collaborate with God's faith. There is God's faith, this is the general that gives commands, and there is our faith, this is a warrior in prayer that fulfills these 
commands. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Eight names of God. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. And the Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the power of three names of God, strength, rock, and fortress and stop to study our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Deliverer. We will remember that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God Most High is the strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of exclusively a king, of a priest, and of a prophet anointed to rule over their earthly body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body in the status of a king, a priest, and a prophet, then this revelation given for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. He will not understand it. He will consider it as foolish for himself and will resist it. Therefore, the quality and lexus in identifying the name of God deliverer, as with the previous names of God, these names are not able to be found in any dictionary in the world. In Scripture, the word, the name deliverer means the leader or chief of the covenant, redeemer from the slavery of sin and death, the savior of the body, one who protects from the wrath of God, one that reinstates your rights to the inheritance, one that places us into safety as his holy possession, preserving our guarantee until the coming of Christ. In the given prayer psalm of David, the name of God deliver contains the inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person can collaborate with the power contained in the name of God deliver and receives the ability to turn the guarantee of his salvation to profit. This profit is the saving of his soul and adopting his body by the redemption of Christ. Considering such a necessary balance, balance or such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, as we studied our lot in the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, we have come to the necessity to study a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God deliver? Second, what role does our inherited lot in the name of God deliver play in achieving our salvation? Third, what price do we need to pay in order to provide God the proper grounds he needs to be our deliverer? And by what results do we need to determine that God truly is our deliverer in achieving our calling? First, not having clear and comprehensive answers to these questions that we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith within the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, 
We will not have an ability to invest our silver in the form of our guarantee of salvation. The body of Christ functions just as the body of a man functions. There's one head. As soon as in the body there's three, four heads, and especially in a, a brotherly council or advisors, it would be very difficult to receive something in such a church for the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ here on earth. There will be other values offered and other things they'll pursue, but as there's no structure or order within the body, it is not the pastor who tends the brotherly council, but the brotherly council tends the pastor. And all together, people don't know who to turn to. They don't know who is the main head. For many, the pastor is just someone they've selected, and he is not even a spiritual authority for them. The spiritual authority is maybe a helper of the pastor, a deacon, maybe another brother, but for many, their own personal mind is their authority. That's not how I, I understand it. This is not what I agree with. And so imagine... In such a uh, in such a, a system, how can God reveal anything? Second, without strictly obeying the preached word of the person that possesses the authority of a father from God and his helpers, we will not have the ability to receive profit in the form of the fruits of righteousness. From the seed of guarantee we have invested, as it is written, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Not a single promise are we able to receive for ourselves, but only through these men by our proper behavior with our relationship with these people. An infant in Christ does not have a head. He is attracted by various winds of doctrine, and these people who offer this are people who are not fathers. They, uh, these uh, infants in Christ, they go to different churches, look at the internet, and, and, and listen to multiple people, go to multiple places, but this is not the body of Christ. Every individual church is called to identify this body, and in this church needs to be one person in authority by whom God can reveal his truth, and answer our questions. In a specific format, we've already looked at the essence of the first two questions, and we'll immediately turn to the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to provide God proper grounds to be our deliverer, or what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we receive the right to the power to collaborate with the power of God contained in the name deliverer? First, in order to give God legitimate grounds to be our deliverer and in this given situation so that he save our soul from the depths of hell, it is necessary to allow yourself to be taught the way of the Lord in order to walk in his truth and be united in the heart in the fear of his name. Here is how David prays. A prophet a person that, that, who was a prophet, who was close to God, who was a priest at the same time, and a king. 
Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. If I will not be taught, I will not be able to walk in your truth. And so God can teach us. You need a person that can teach you these things, tell you these things. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify your name forevermore. For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Psalm 86, 11 through 13. How is it that David's soul ended up in the depths of hell? In the given prayer plea, David not only acknowledges but also experiences his soul in the depths of Sheol or depths of hell. The essence of the depths of hell in our soul, as the soul of David, is our mortal body in which inherited sin reigns as our old person who carries the program of the fallen cherubim. For the soul that is already renewed, for it, it is hell. If it's not renewed, then it does not experience this hell. It's the opposite. It is this hell and is the friend of hell. But when our mind is renewed and our mind is renewed by the spirit of our mind, it will experience in this body as in hell. Because if our body would not have hell, it would not be mortal, it would not be corrupt, but it's corrupt because reigning sin is in the body, this old person who was passed on to us by the sinful a seed of our fathers. Many people don't want to agree to that. I say if you don't want to uh, agree with that and then look at the in the mirror more often then see and see five years ago what you saw and what you see today you completely change and you'll say what is this it's because in the body is hell and the soul suffers Paul says we suffer ourselves being in these bodies I want to be free from this and meet with the Lord and so infants in Christ and people of the flesh who have missed the conditional time for leaving spiritual infancy do not acknowledge or experience their soul in the depths of hell, but the opposite, they deny such a reality. Because in the state of the flesh, the old person that lives within their body very eagerly helps them and inspires them to a form of worship and service that God has not called them to. But when a person, by being instructed in the faith, receives knowledge that for the sa saving of his soul, he needs to lose it in the, death, in the death of the Lord Jesus so that he can reobtain it in a new form in the resurrection of Christ, then he leaves the state of the flesh that is based on his emotional aspect and enters into the state of the spirit that is in the informational aspect. The spiritual person whose soul is renewed in a new form as Moses, he had one rod and he ran from the serpent, but when he took it by the tail, he took control. The tail is the mouth that confesses. It controls your body. And when he took it by the tail, God said, that's it. This no, is no longer your rod. This is my rod in your hand. And with it, you will perform miracles. When you confess the faith of God, you perform miracles. And so here, information, a person will base upon what he knows and not what he feels. Infants in Christ 
and carnal men all base everything on what they feel. I feel the Lord is with me. I don't feel the Lord is with me. As soon as something changes, they say, I experience the Lord is with me. And so uh, an emotion comes, and uh, if they're in, say, the sin of fornication or other sin, they uh, do a lot of different, uh, uh, commit many different sins, and because they feel something, they, they decide that God is either with them or not. They say they experience God's presence but this and supernatural presence of God, but this does not necessarily mean it's God. It may be the devil in the form of an angel of heaven that is giving them this feeling, but that's not important to them. And so when a person relies upon the informational aspect which comes from listening to the preached word about the kingdom of heaven that abide, abides in him, the old person, instead of being a helper that inspires this man to a service that God has not called him to, to, uh, to do, becomes his enemy that is being supported by the organized powers of the depths of hell. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 10:35 through 39 Apostles, the apostle says that the Lord will lead my soul out of hell, and so when he does this, then our soul will be saved. One that believes, uh, one that believes to the saving of the soul is to abide within the faith of God that is imprinted upon our heart, or to act in agreement with information that is contained in the faith of God, proclaiming the non-existent salvation of our soul as existent. Only being instructed in the way of the Lord will we be able to walk in the truth of the Lord called to deliver our soul from the depths of hell that is present in our mortal bodies. The way of the Lord is the way of the commandments of the Lord that are confirmed or established within our heart by the means of the confession of the faith of God that abides within our heart. I will run the course of your commandments for you shall enlarge my heart, Psalm 119. 32. Enlarged heart in the original, the meaning of an enlarged heart is a heart that is cleansed from dead works and in which the law of God is imprinted, making the heart of a man free from sin and giving the person the proper grounds and the ability to stand in the liberty of Christ and not be subjected once again to the yoke of slavery. If a person rejects the instruction of his father, his father, who is the person that is clothed into the power of a father from God, and as helpers, he then does not care about the salvation of his soul from the depths of hell. And because of this, his heart is not able to be established in the fear of the name of the Lord. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility, Proverbs 15, 32, 33. 
People that are swayed by various winds of doctrine that are being offered by men that have placed themselves and deceivers that present themselves as the delegated from God but are not, are presented in Scripture as an evil woman who has a lying tongue whose ways lead to hell. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law a light. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Proverbs 6, 20 through 24. A person that is clothed into the authority of a father from God is called in Scripture a messenger, one amongst the thousand, that is able to show man his upright way, upon which man will find grace in the eyes of God, and his soul will be delivered from the depths of hell, and his body will become fresher than even how it was when he was young. If there is a messenger for him, a mediator, one among a thousand, to show man his uprightness, then he is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from God. Going down to the pit, I have found a ransom. You see, God does everything by these messengers. He says, deliver him. All of the promises are in him, yes, and in him, amen, through, to the glory of God through, uh, through us. Apostle Paul says, if God needs to do something on earth, he will always do it by the person who he finds that he raises up, he anoints, and he becomes a carrier, a bearer of his revelations. He tells Ezekiel, proclaim that the Pharaoh and his armies will go to will be uh, cast to hell. Ezekiel knew that everything God will do on earth, he does by uh, with man. His flesh shall be young like a child. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray to God, and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, for he restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men and says, Then already Job knew about the adoption of the body by the redemption of Christ, because the body will become young like a child. He shall return to the days of his youth. When from the body the old person will be thrust out, when the stronghold of death will be destroyed, and the stronghold of eternal life will be erected in its place. He shall pray to God and he, and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy for he restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right and it did not profit me. He will redeem his soul from going down to the pit and his life shall be shall see the light. Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life. And so God uh, approaches man once, twice, three times, either a person becomes curious, uh, and so it's the truth. And so the truth that is offered, of course, there's a price to pay uh, to, to receive this truth, and a person who cares more about what people think, people come to me from different churches, come secretly to our church so that no one sees them and run away, they come to confess uh, and so I ask them, why don't you leave the place where you're not getting any spiritual nourishment and come here? But he says, I'm still uh, as in a way cowardly and cannot do it. Uh, I can't make myself do this. And I told him, you have to remember, it won't always 
Uh, be this way, what God is offering you, it's, he's not going to keep offering it to you. You have to make the decision. To examine yourself as to whether you are in the ways of the Lord, that we stand in the truth and that our heart is established in the fear of the name of the Lord is to be done by our behavior regarding perishable wealth. Our behavior toward perishable wealth. Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby God uh, will do good and come to you. Receive uh, please instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust and the gold of Ophir amongst the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to Him. He will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you so light will shine on your ways. Job 22, 21 through 28. In order to confirm the faith of God that abides within our heart about the deliverance of our soul from the depths of hell, which depends on our behavior toward instruction in the ways of the Lord, I will bring forth a few more testimonies that highlight the significance or the importance of instruction, that everything we can receive, we can receive it by being instructed by a father. He who keeps instruction is in the way of life but he who refuses correction goes astray, Proverbs 10, 17. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid, Proverbs 12, 1. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored, Proverbs 13, 18. In order to confirm the thought that the Holy Spirit reveals. He always brings forth a few more places of uh, testimonies in order to confirm the truth by the two or three witnesses, everything will be confirmed. And so when you read a place of Scripture and they pull that place of Scripture and try to interpret it by not backing it with other places, uh, this is a problem. Second, in order to give God legitimate grounds to be our deliverer, it is necessary to call upon the Lord in your trouble and in your difficulty. You called in trouble. And I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Psalm 81, 7. And another place of scripture. To confirm this thought, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Psalm 50, 14, 15. In the given place of scripture, we see our purpose in God as well as our calling in God which is our obligation and our responsibility before God. We also see the obligation and responsibility of God demonstrated in His help that we need in order to fulfill our purpose and our calling, which is given to us by God in the format of a divine good and great destiny. Trouble and difficulty of the soul is casting off of yourself the old man with his deeds that keeps us in its control by our legal dependence upon our nation, the house of our father, and our corrupt desires of the soul. 
To call upon God in the day of trouble and difficulty means to confess the faith of God that abides within our heart, stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. After that, stand your guard and stand upon the tower or rampart in order to hear what the Holy Spirit will say that abides within our heart and what we need to say when we are corrected, as it is written, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will say when I am corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, upon the tablets of the heart, that he may run who reads it. So God, as the reader, when the time comes to fulfill these promises, he can easily read it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie though it tarries, wait for it. Here it's talking about the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. When he says, at the door of our hope, I will return to you your vineyards and the valley of Accor, and you will come out and sing as in your youth. This is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. That's what it's referring to here, because it's talking about the end. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come and it will not tarry. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. We know what a rampart is or a tower. It can only be in the heart of one who has the Urim and the Thummim. The Thummim is the truth, the elementary teaching of Christ that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. The Urim is the Holy Spirit that reveals the truth in the heart. In order to imprint the Thummim upon the heart, you need to cleanse your conscience from dead works. In order to receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of your life, you need to acknowledge over yourself God's order, the order that is in the body of Christ, the person whom God has placed to tend his church. To offer to God the thanksgiving of your mouth that glorifies God is to confess the faith of your heart, stating who God is to you in Jesus Christ, what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, and who you are to God in Jesus Christ. Upon practice, this means consider yourself in Christ Jesus, dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming that not existent deadness for sin as existent, and that not existent stronghold of life within your body as existent. To pay your vows to the Most High is, after confessing the faith of your heart, to fulfill your confession, to fulfill your obligation in your covenant with God, which contains a part of our responsibility, to be salt and light to the world and a lamp or candle in the house. Upon practice, this means by being instructed in the faith, get to know the way of the commandments of the Lord, that when fulfilling the commandments of the Lord, you do not change or peddle them as many do only being taught and instructed about how to cast off the old man from yourself and what tools or means you need to use in order to be renewed by the spirit of your mind and be clothed into your new person, we can give God the legitimate basis to fulfill his part, to disarm principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them in our body, triumphing over them by erecting the stronghold of life in us. 
In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over over them in it. Colossians 2, 11 through 15. The Lord triumphed over those powers in hell. And we are in the power of, in, in control of these powers. Each of us need to take control. Those that Jesus triumphed over in hell, these are enemies are in our body, this reigning sin. You know, in hell, rain does not reign, uh, sin does not reign anymore. It can't reign in hell anymore. Christ overcame it and took the key. Jesus said, I have the keys of hell and death. But in the body of a person, sin reigns. It has moved over into the body of a person and reigns here. There he doesn't reign anymore. There Christ can come any time and look as a guard how the angels who did not keep their abode, how they are. Those who called them and people who called themselves Christians couldn't forgive specific offenses that were done against them. People who said that they're Christians but were jealous of one another spoke uh, false information about one another, spread rumors about one another. People who went to places God did not send them to go. People who called evil good and good evil and thought they're going to heaven. Of course. They asked that rich man, said, send Abraham, he told Lazarus, that he come to my brothers. They still have uh, the knowledge there that their close ones are on earth and they don't want those close ones to them to end up in the place they've ended up. Go and tell them. And Abraham respond, responded, if they do not listen, to the prophets and the law, then even if someone raises is raised from the dead, he won't. They won't listen. Jesus raised many from the dead and performed many miracles, and all the crowd, together with those that were healed and resurrected, shouted to crucify him. I also experienced this. Uh, God using me healed specific people, rebuked demons, baptized them with the Holy Spirit baptized them by water, and then they shouted uh, uh, to crucify me together with the other wicked ones that left. Third, in order to give God legitimate grounds to be our deliverer from all of our transgressions, it is necessary to place our hope upon God. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Psalm 137, 8. 
See, he shall deliver if Israel will hope. Before we are reminded about the nature and genesis of hope, as well as the price that we need to pay for the opportunity and the ability to place our hope upon the Lord, it is necessary for us to identify the nature and genesis of lawlessness that, contrary to our sober thinking and our will, keeps us in the shall in the shackles of its dependence. According to the given plea addressed to Israel, it's referring to such a nature of lawlessness in which we are born and that was passed on to us by the genetic line of the sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh. We conclude that we become lawless men or men of transgression not because we perform transgression but because we were born in transgression or in iniquity. We were born as sinners and lawless men, men of iniquity. David says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Let's read this place of scripture. Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all of my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. First, according to the sequence of the given revelation, in order to provide God, legit, God legitimate grounds to deliver us from transgression in which we were born and that we commit, it is necessary to place your hope upon the Lord in that he will deliver us from our transgressions and our iniquity. Second, in order to put your hope in the Lord, it is necessary, being instructed in the faith, to put this hope into your heart and into your mind and after that confirm its legitimacy with your mouth. Third, in order to put the discipline of hope upon the Lord into your heart, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith to cleanse your conscience from dead works. In order to cleanse your conscience from dead works, it is necessary to repent or to acknowledge your transgression in which you are born and that you commit, and confess them before God in the presence of the person who is a father from God and his helpers. Fifth, in order to repent and confess your transgressions before God, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith to learn to walk in the same light that God walks within the boundaries of the body of Christ, identifying the chosen by God remnant. God walks in the light of his word within the boundaries of the chosen by God remnant. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God walks in the light within the boundary of fellowship we have with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 7 through 9, he will blot it out, he will cast it behind his shoulder and will never ever remember it. Sixth, in order to walk in the light that God walks in, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith to learn the discipline of hope, which is a light in which God walks. The discipline of hope, which is a light in which God walks, is the word of God that comes out of his mouth. Considering that every word of God is the product of every thought of God, Apostle John, starting his epistle about the kingdom, writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. For God, His Word is His hope. He hopes upon His Word. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him, in this Word, the life of was the life and the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. John 1, 1 through 5. Based on the fact that every thought of God is a specific information that exists within the entrails of God, and every word of God is information that comes out of his mouth, a version of the concept of the, of the light of life that comes from the word of God can be like this. Because in the beginning was the word containing the informational program, because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. In the original, in the beginning was the thought. This thought was with God and this thought was God. And then the word comes after. In the beginning was the thought that contained the informational program of God, and this informational program was in the entrails of God, and it identified the natural essence of God. The thought containing the informational program of God was in the beginning with God. All by the thought of God as the spoken word of God was made, and without the thought of God that was the spoken word of God, nothing was made that was made. And the thought of God that was vocalized was eternal life, and eternal life was the light of men. And the light of the thought of God that was the vocalized word of God, in, it, sh it shines in the darkness, and darkness did not have the authority or power to overcome the light of life coming from the thought of God that was spoken by God. This is an expanded ver uh, variation of this uh, place. We conclude that everything that God trusts upon and relies upon is his word that comes out of his mouth. And everything that God does is done within the boundaries of his spoken word and by the tool or armor of his spoken word. We need to keep in mind that the spoken word of God is accomplished or fulfilled by the Holy Spirit or becomes a visible reality by the work of the power of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Here we see how the Holy Spirit, as a true warrior in prayer, hovers over the thoughts of God, waiting to fulfill them and gives God or shows God his hunger and thirst. And then God speaks his word and the Holy Spirit takes that word and fulfills it, makes it a reality. As a result, our hope that God will deliver us from all of our transgressions are the words that are spoken by God by the mouth of his delegated ones that are anointed by the Holy Spirit, whom he has made sovereign carriers or bearers of the spoken by him word. And not our own personal words, the wellspring of which is our flesh or the flesh of other men, presenting themselves as men delegated by God, but they are not. 
Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he, <coughs> it means his flesh or the flesh of others, for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and he shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Here's one of the examples when hope upon God saved a man from the armies of Babylon that he was afraid of and from their sword. Meanwhile, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Abed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon the city of Ad adversity and not for good, and they shall be performed in that day before you, but I del will deliver you in that day, says the Lord, and you shall not be given into the hand of the men of whom you are afraid. I will surely deliver you, and you shall not fall by the sword, but your life shall be as a prize to you, because you have not because you have put your trust in me, says the Lord. Jeremiah 39, 15 through 18. In the very center where all needed to be destroyed, he was <clears throat> in the court. The Lord says, I will deliver you because you have put your trust in me. And God said this to him by prophet Jeremiah. This was Abed-Melech the Ethiopian, a eunuch of King Zedekiah, who commanded that prophet Jeremiah be thrown into the cistern that was filled to the hip in mud, because he re relayed to the king Zedekiah the word of the Lord that he should surrender to the king of the Babylonians, as God is giving the king of the Babylonians, the kingdom of the land, otherwise he and his sons would be killed. For such words by the council of his princes, King Zedekiah commanded that prophet Jeremiah be thrown into the cistern with mud and commanded that he be fed very little until he returns from his war travels. But Abed-Melech the Ethiopian, the eunuch of King Zedekiah, because he hoped upon God, begged the king to take prophet Jeremiah out from the cistern, wash his body with water, gave him a change of clothes, and fed him. He wasn't just trusting in God, he trusted and he acted accordingly. If you will trust, if you will hope, you will act according to your trust, your hope. Fourth, in order to give God legitimate grounds to be our deliverer, deliverer from this mortal body, it is necessary to set your mind on things above. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am. This Apostle Paul was writing this. And he suffered, a wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin, Romans 7, through 25. And so this flesh that is... Uh, controlled by reigning sin cannot serve the law of God, but it can serve with the mind. You can consider yourself 
dead to sin, living for God, and uh, submit your members of your body to, to the service of righteousness. According to the words of Apostle Paul, the mind of man that is redeemed from sin and death by the blood of Christ is in conflict with the members of his carnal body by the reason of the contradicting within him laws. One law works within the boundary of the emotional aspect of man, expanding its impact upon the members of our carnal body. The other law works within the boundaries of our mind, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. And so the law of the mind is the middle man between the new person and the old person ruling within the members of our body as the armor of the new person with which he battles against the law of sin and death within our body. Every true word that is the nourishment and food of the new person is within the possession of the new person and the mind of man. And so for every uh, truth to be confirmed, a revelation of the truth, it again is also uh, with, for our mind working together with our, uh, our mind, renewed mind working together with our spirit. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Psalm 19.14, to give God proper grounds to be our deliverer from this mortal body, it is necessary for the words of our mouth and the thoughts of our heart that find themselves in our mind would be good or acceptable before God and work together as one command according to such a condition God determines the state of our heart not by the desires that are in you, but the state of your mind that thinks about the things or meditates about the things that are above. God does not account to us as a sin of things that may, we may feel, and he does not value us based on them, uh, what our feelings or emotions may experience, sinful things, but what our mind is thinking about and how they confess the faith of God. We are created by God in a way that what we think about becomes our worship and our master, capable of leading our emotional aspect so it can worship God in, or, in order to give God the proper grounds to deliver us from this mortal body. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on, on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are, in the, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the uh, wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who, who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. If the discipline of the resurrection of Christ is the element of our mind, we will meditate about the things that are above. What we meditate about is the element of our confession. And so what we meditate about, the things that are above, that we meditate about, we receive power over our tongue 
And we can then use our tongue to put away all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of our mouth, not speaking lies to another, putting off our old man with his deeds, and, be, and we can be renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him or created us, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Brethren, join in following my example and not those who so walk as you have have us for a pattern for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to even to subdue all things to himself, Philippians 3:17 through 21. When a person meditates about the things that are above, it is very pleasant to him, and nothing is in his way when he doesn't uh, convert back to the things of the world. When a person thinks about the things of the world and can't disconnect from that and even uses principles of faith to become rich, then this means that he has the seal of the beast, the seal of the devil. The same people would sit in the same church. One had the seal of God upon their forehead, others the seal of the devil. One are convinced that this seal is some kind of microchip or something else, and this is absolutely a misunderstanding. The seal of God or the seal of the devil is already applied upon a ready document, righteousness and lawlessness. If you have a ready document of righteousness, you've received justification, then it, a seal is applied of circumcision. But if you receive baptism of water not being instructed in justification then your baptism is no longer baptism and loses its power fifth in order to give god legitimate grounds to be our deliverer it is necessary to seek the lord by looking to the Lord. I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34, 4-5. To look to the Lord is one of the main elements without which it's, it isn't possible to see God, giving God proper grounds to become our deliverer from all of the dangers from the side of our nation, the house of our father, and the destructive desires of our soul that are being supported by the old person that represents within our body the program, programmable system of the fallen cherubim. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek to the Lord, Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden. When he will be looking to the Lord and her desert like the garden of the Lord, joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. Isaiah 51, 1 through 3. According to this testimony of Scripture, we see 
the element of looking upon the Lord. This is looking to the invisible reward that we saw in the, in the situation of Abraham and Sarah as the stars. Then, we brought, then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And be, he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 5 through 6. To see the invisible reward, the redemption of your body by the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ, you need such an eye or eyes that would be able to see the invisible and such eyes uh, is the mind of a man that is able to either be opened and able to see or closed and not able to see. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age is blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. Uh, many people have the perception that this is referring to people of the world who are not able to see, but that's not the case. These are people who see themselves as Christian, and by their own opinion, they think that they see better than anyone else. I counsel to you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see Revelations 3.18 according to this prophetic place of scripture we see that in order to obtain eye salve and to then see the invisible and possess that currency that you need to pay in order to obtain this eye salve, we need to first acknowledge your inability to see the invisible with the eyes of God. In, in other words, what God sees with his eyes, uh, we need to acknowledge that, that we're unable to see that, experience or have the need to desire to see the invisible, define what eye salve consists of, and define the currency you need to pay for this eye salve. Otherwise, we will not see that we're blind and we will not know what we need to pay for and what currency to use to pay for it. First, I will bring forth a place of scripture where we will see this blindness and I salve and the currency that was used to purchase it. So you can see the invisible. I'll bring forth a couple of comments that are according to scripture and identify what is blindness and eye salve and the currency and what you are to use. Blindness is our fleshly state that is relying upon your uh, intelligent abilities. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The reason for such blindness comes because of religious uh, position and knowledge that we rely upon. We think that we are able, without collaborating with someone else, to determine for ourselves what is good and evil, what is pure or impure, and what is a blessing and what is a curse. The eye that is able to see the invisible is our spirituality, refusing to base things from our intelligent abilities, but he who is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. 1 Corinthians 2.15 First of all, spirituality that is refusing to rely upon your intelligent abilities 
is a conscious and voluntary obedience to the person that is placed by God, or more accurately, the words that he speaks. Secondly, spirituality is the eye that is able to see what is invisible, independent from materialistic values. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, there, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew 6. 22 through 24, I salve, making your eye able to see the invisible, is the teaching of blessing and cursing, which is a shield for Abraham and Sarah so that they could receive and keep the inheritance that they were called to, to collaborate with the shield of faith that is in blessing and cursing is demonstrated in, in sanctification where Abraham had to uh, refuse the evil and choose the good Isaiah 7:15. curtain and honey he shall eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good the currency that you need to use to pay for this I salve is the price for eating the food that abides or it, that is for eternal life Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Psalm 34, 8. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you according because God the Father has set his seal on him. John 6, 27. The place or position from where any form of sanctification is to be done is the Church of Jesus Christ. That for a specific person is to be a specific Church of Saints that has a head that is sent by God that we t with whom we are in a specific covenant. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but extorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Hebrews 10, 25-27. And now all of these elements we will uh, see in one uh, event uh, where we see Jesus Christ and the blind man. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, his man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made a clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. <clears throat> and he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. John 9, 1-7. And so the spittle, which <coughs> he had made from the mud and his saliva, is uh, dirt or worry is the definition of it. In order to see and uh, what we need to focus our eyes upon, the <coughs> pools of Siloam, which means translated, which is translated as scent, we see... Uh, 
This is a wellspring of, of water that was in Jerusalem. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known, and his servants, and his indignation to his enemies. Isaiah 66, 13-14. The reason for why an eye that is called to see the invisible becomes dimmed or is no longer able to see is a rebellious heart and a rebellious house that rises against the one whom God has sent. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see but does not see, and ears to hear but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel 12.2 What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should, uh, that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. <clears throat> to this very day. And David says, Let your table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block, and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be, dark be darkened so that they do not see, and bound down their back always. Romans 11, 7 through 10. The next reason for why an eye that is called to see the invisible becomes dimmed or is no longer able to see is the absence of humility when a person is not able to discipline himself and withhold his tongue from speaking evil and his lips from speaking deceit. For he who would love life and seek good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. 1 Peter 3.10 The next reason for why an eye that is called to see the invisible becomes dimmed or is no longer able to see is our dependence on wine or alcohol. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last bite, like at the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eye will see strange things, and your eye, your heart will utter perverse things. Therefore, when we enter into the tabernacle or the church, which is the organic which we are having organic membership to. We are not supposed to be looking again at wine or looking at how it is even in the glass, as it says. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations, Leviticus 10.9. Within a person where God always abides, there's a tabernacle. If there would be a physical tabernacle, we can <clears throat> enter or, and and come out of it. You have a tabernacle in you 24 hours a day. Well, you 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 cannot uh, drink. Uh, alcohol. An organic membership to the body of Christ, that is a specific church of saints, makes us kings and priests to God, and our spirit is a tabernacle where we abide 24 hours a day. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Proverbs 31.4.5, a person who drinks wine loses in the eyes of God the virtue of a prince and a becomes a slave of sin. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Proverbs 21 The next reason for why an eye that is called to see the invisible becomes dimmed or not able to see is looking at worthless things. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. 
Isaiah 33:15. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppression, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. You see very many reasons for why our eye will not be able to see or, or is not able to see. And now, looking at the goal of uh, Abraham and Sarah that we we had seen, we could see a couple of more, a couple more goals that we need to look upon to give God proper grounds to be our deliverer from all of our enemies that we have many of. Hear, O deaf, and look, you blind, that you may see who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger whom I send who is blind as he who is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant seeing many things but you did not observe opening the ears but he does not hear Isaiah 42 18 through 20 here it's talking about the fact that in order to see what is invisible you need to come to such a state that with your eyes you don't look at evil depart from it you saw many that doesn't mean he was blind but he became blind to the things he didn't want to see, the evil. Because if you will see evil, you will transform into this evil. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. This is the one we need to look upon. The blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Psalm 7, 37 through 40. And the trials of Christ, here it's talking about Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Uh, Hebrews 11:26. What gave Moses the ability to withstand? He looked to the reward. And this helped him consider, he considered the reproach of Christ greater a greater rich, a, a greater riches than that, that the treasures of Egypt. He did not care about uh, your clothing. Look at the lilies of the field. He says, sometimes you need to look at the lilies, how they grow in the field, as Jesus said. Look to look at them. If I uh, clothe this flower this way, that is gone tomorrow. Uh, think about your you. Uh, you have little faith. Will I not care for you? If I don't find faith in your heart when I when I come to find you, then I'll lose you. And also when Jesus referred to the birds, look to the birds. God feeds them and. We need to see how God gives uh, birds nourishment, food. I sometimes look at a multitude of birds. Sometimes they come uh, and thousands of birds uh, pass by our windows sometimes. Uh, all kinds of different birds. And, and I always think, where do they find all the food? And God nourishes, feeds all of these birds. He gives them food. And he told them the parable, look at the fig tree. When you see that the fig tree will begin to bud, know that the time is near. 
he means those trees or that fig tree that buds that has the life of God, not any fig tree or any tree, but he's talking about, when he talks about the fig tree, he's talking about the righteous people. And when you see that they begin to bud, a person begins to flourish, he begins to flourish from within and shine. You meet with this person and this person shines from within. When he speaks, he, when you speak about, begin to talk about the word, he lights up. And there are people, as soon as you begin to talk about the word, they become uncomfortable, and you then are uncomfortable because you see that they're not interested. And so our time is up. Let us uh, bend our knees and pray, and we will pray and thank God for the word that we were able to receive today. Amen. <coughs> Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that again and again, together with your saints, I can bow my heart and be upon this place. May your mercy be a blessing for us. We thank you for your words that you are vigilant over, that they be fulfilled. Your words that we have imprinted upon our heart, that we keep from all perversion or changes. May they be a blessing in the hearts of your people, the hearts of your saints, that carry your word as a great treasure in these mortal bodies, we carry this great promise, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. And in a moment, and the time is coming near, you will look and you will clearly see it in our heart and you will change our bodies from corruptible bodies to immortal bodies before we will be raptured and meet with you in the air. We thank you for this promise that is the guarantee of our rapture. Blessed are you and blessed is your mercy and your truth that you have given to us. Thank you for the holy fellowship. Thank you for this warmth, for this greatness. Thank you for the fact that you're with us and in our heart, and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen and now let us finish our service by proclaiming our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.